there, and welcome to episode number 182 of the Pioneering Today podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be diving into a fun subject, and that is my favorites and growing herbal tea at home. Growing an herbal tea garden is really easy. One of the things I love about growing herbs for tea is they double as being gorgeous in our landscaping. They provide us with beautiful blossoms on a lot of the items that we're going to be talking about in the top picks. Also, many of them are all used in our culinary, so in our cooking. But a lot of our cooking herbs, now some of these we don't necessarily cook with as much, and I'm going to dive into that, and we're going to talk about some of the more medicinal properties that they have. Some are from flavor, some have both. But I love using space and things in my garden and where I'm growing that serve multiple purposes, and an herbal tea garden definitely fits that bill. As I said, you are listening to the Pioneering Today podcast, and I'm your host, Melissa K. Norris. I am so thrilled to meet you. If you are a regular listener, welcome back, my friend. If you're a first-time listener, oh my goodness, you will soon be a regular listener, or so I hope. So the Pioneering Today podcast is where we share about living a homegrown and handmade life. We use modern homesteading to raise, preserve, and cook your own organic food, no matter where you live. A little bit of a backstory or introduction, I guess we should say, to using herbs, especially for tea. I was raised as a homesteader, so I'm a fifth generation homesteader. Growing up, we had our own beef cattle, so we raised our own meat. We had a big vegetable garden. I grew up canning. I just kind of thought that everybody did that. I thought everybody had a garden and everybody canned and raised a good portion of their own food and that you cooked food from scratch. I thought that was just the norm. But we didn't use herbs or natural medicine. We didn't have health insurance when I was growing up. And the reason I share that with you is because we rarely went to the doctor. So occasionally, but it wasn't something that we did. You had to be pretty sick before you took a trip to the doctor. So thankfully, I was pretty healthy growing up and didn't have to use very much medications or going to the doctor. I think I maybe had an ear infection and had antibiotics like once my whole life growing up. So really fortunate in that aspect. Then as an adult, I started suffering in my 20s, especially after I had my first child. And then when I had my daughter, my second child, really bad acid reflux and stomach ulcers. And I was on prescription medications up to six times a day and they weren't doing anything. And I had my upper stomach and esophagus biopsy for cancer. And I've went into a lot more detail on that in past episodes. So I will link in the show notes to those. So if you want, if you haven't listened to those, you can go and check those out in a little bit more depth. But the reason that I share that is because I found such complete healing by just changing my diet to organic, non-GMO, and going to whole foods. So cutting out processed stuff and making it at home from scratch with whole food base ingredients. And so I thought if I had that much of a drastic change by just the food that I eat, what happened if I started to use herbs and natural remedies in our medicine cabinet instead of just reaching for an over-the-counter product, that type of thing. So one of the very first things in my journey with using medicinally wise herbs was tea. And that's why I'm going to be talking about herbal tea today. And a few specific ones that were the very first ones that I used and found some healing with on some things. But I have to preface all of this to say, 
that I am not medically professional. I'm not a certified herbalist or anything of that nature. So what I'm sharing with you should not be taken as treatment or diagnosis. I am just sharing what has worked for me and that I used personally. Always check the medical professional of your choice before using anything medicinally, even if it's natural and herbs, because if you're on medications, if you have certain diseases, they're natural, but they can interact with them. So I just want to stress that part before we dive in for clarification and not just as a, a lot of times you'll hear people do a disclosure or disclaimer like I'm doing right now to cover their behinds because of the world that we live in. But it really is true. If you do have certain diseases or conditions, then you shouldn't be using certain herbs. So I have to give that to you. For my first one that I'm going to be talking about that I started to use first and really sparked my whole interest and love and made me dive headfirst into using herbal teas. And that was when I got off synthetic birth control. So I had ovarian cysts. If you've ever had ovarian cysts, my ladies, you know that those things can be extremely painful and debilitating. I was at a point where I was having them. I would have several at a time on my ovaries. And I had a couple of different times I had them actually burst which was extremely painful. They thought that my appendix were bursting, but it was actually, it was a cyst where, and I had quite a bit of volume of fluid from those cysts that burst in my abdominal cavity, which then caused further pain. Anyways, so that was really the main reason that I was on the birth control. It wasn't for actual birth control, not getting pregnant. But the more I looked at synthetic hormones and synthetic drugs and decided that I really wanted to live as naturally as possible and not be reliant on pharmaceuticals, which is a personal choice, right? I started looking at using herbs. And so I went off of my birth control and the cysts became really painful along with other hormonal issues of estrogen dominance. But I was really determined. So stubborn is a trait of mine. I think it has to be a trait of most homesteaders and stubbornness can be good and bad. But in this instance, it was actually good. So I was started doing research and especially for women and hormonal issues and all of those things in your time of the month. And like I said, I had ovarian cysts and one particular herb really kept coming up as a natural remedy to try. And that was red raspberry leaf tea. So I tried it because I was desperate. I'm like, I've got, I got to try something because if it, if I can't get this under control, then I'm going to have to go back on the birth control because it was affecting my ability to move to work. It was really affecting a lot of things beyond just being painful and discomfort. I decided to try drinking every day, both dried stinging nettle leaf and red raspberry leaf tea. So I did a combination of those together and I would drink a cup every night. It was just how I did it. So I had an eight ounce cup every single night and it took a few weeks, but I started to notice a significant difference, like a real difference. So I kept it. It was something that I just did every day. And I did that, I want to say for about two years straight, and it helped immensely. I was just shocked. And so after going through that, I thought, goodness, if this was able to help me this much with this area, how much more can I start to turn to natural remedies and use them? Now, I will say not everything is going to be solved by a natural herb or remedy, but a lot of things can be helped. So your red raspberry leaf is one of my top picks. And it's not something that you probably are going to hear about typically when you think of an herbal tea garden or drinking herbal teas. But 
it's something that you should. And if you go to tea stores, especially like health food stores, and you start to look through teas, you will usually see red raspberry leaf on the shelf. Of course, if you're growing your own raspberries, then you got the leaves right there. So again, that's one of those, remember I said in the beginning, I love those things that serve dual purposes growing raspberries, specifically red raspberries. But if you have other raspberries, so anything in the bramble family, so specifically raspberries and blackberries, you can use the teas and they've got some great medicinal properties. But if you're looking for the factors specifically for women's hormonal aid, I should say, then the red raspberry leaf has the most use and is usually the most recommended due to specific compounds found in it. And if you want more information specifically on that, so how to harvest it, when to harvest it, all of the specific compounds and antioxidants and vitamins and minerals and all that fun stuff, I made a YouTube video on that. So I will link to that in today's blog post that goes with this episode, or you can just go to my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Melissa K. Norris, and you'll see it on there. And I walk you through all of that. So you can go and check that out for in-depth information specifically on the red raspberry leaves more so than I'll go into in this episode. And as I didn't say, to access everything from today's episode. So if you want to have the complete written show notes, as well as links to different things that I've been talking about, all of that you can find at melissaknorris.com forward slash 182. So that just the number 182, because this is episode number 182. So some other top herbs that people love to use for tea and myself included, and most of them have some flavors, obviously. Now I have to say the red raspberry leaf doesn't really have a ton of flavor. There's a really mild flavor. Some people say they think it tastes kind of like black tea. I honestly don't think it tastes like black tea. I don't think it's as astringent or as strong as black tea at all. I would consider it more like a green tea, but without the caffeine. It doesn't have any caffeine, so it's just an herbal tea. But some of these other herbs we're getting into, they are going to flavor the tea as well as have medicinal properties. So the first one, and I'm sure this one doesn't come as a surprise at all, is going to be peppermint. Peppermint has a very distinct flavor. It's pretty easy to grow. It is what I consider one of the more invasive herbs to grow. It loves to spread. I keep my peppermint in a container. So if you don't want it to spread, and just trust me, it will go crazy pants. I highly recommend growing it in a container or in a garden area that's easily contained. Now, as we go over the more medicinal properties that a lot of these herbal teas have, I'm actually going to be reading you the medicinal properties straight from the chart in the herbal section of my book, Handmade, The Modern Guide to Made from Scratch Living. And that chart starts on page 138 if you have the book. If not, I highly recommend that you go and check it out. I have links to it. You can get it anywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all those places, as well as handmadethebook.com, where you will find tons of bonuses. And one of those bonuses are these great labels that you print out and then you can put them directly on your jar where you have got or whatever container that you keep your dried leaves in. So you easily can just look at the top of it and be like, yeah, this is the one that I need for whatever I'm going through right now. So for the peppermint specifically, peppermint is really known for helping to soothe an upset stomach and help to support bowel function. Here's an important thing you should know about peppermint though. Even though it's known for its use with stomach issues, 
If you have GERD or acid reflux, talking from experience here, peppermint helps to relax your sphincter muscle and that can allow acid from your stomach to climb up to the esophagus and can make symptoms work. I am able to drink it now without issue because I've pretty much been healed from that. But back in the day, I did have trouble with peppermint products that would seem to make it worse like an hour or so after using it. So that's just kind of one of those things to keep in mind and that you should know about. But one of the other great things about peppermint is the scent of peppermint can be really great for helping to aid relief with congestion as well. Next up on this list is going to be chamomile. And many people have heard of chamomile. It's a great little herb. It's a cute little white flower too. It's very dainty in appearance, but it's a great herb. And it's used to support feelings of calmness, also to aid nervous stomachs. And many people consider chamomile like one of the goldens to take at bedtime as a relaxation. Another cool thing is recent studies show that chamomile can help improve cardiovascular conditions and helps to support the immune system. So you'll find too with natural medicine that a lot of the herbs As you can tell from just reading off just these few first ones, they have a lot of different properties that that they can help with. It's usually not just one thing. With your chamomile, there's two types. So there's Roman chamomile or German chamomile. German chamomile usually is the one that people grow when they're doing it for medicinal purposes. It has a higher concentration of the oil, so it's considered to be a little bit stronger. And usually it will produce more than the Roman does. Another popular tea herb is lemon balm. Now, lemon balm, which actually it's official name. So I just have to share this because my name is Melissa. Its official name is Melissa Officinalis. Lemon balm has a sweet place in my heart. And I actually don't have any right now. I've got to get some growing. I planted it in really deep shade. So just a hint. It's really hard to kill anything in the mint family, which lemon balm is part of the mint family. But if you plant it in deep, 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 dark shade... It takes a year or so, but it doesn't really come back and it's not very robust. So I've got to get myself a new start and get that in. However, lemon balm is a great one to put in your tea garden. It has a big shocker here, right? It has a lemony flavor. So it's great flavor wise. And then medicinal property wise, it helps to ease stress and anxiety and insomnia and indigestion. So it's kind of one of those that has multiple purposes, but it does have really great flavor. And like peppermint, the leaves dry really well. And sometimes for basil example, basil fresh has amazing flavor, but dried basil, not so much. Well, peppermint and lemon balm are great because even though you are drying the leaves to have them for year round in most climates, we have to dry ours. I don't have it year round here, though it is a perennial. It still packs a great flavor punch even when using dried leaves. Another one to consider is fennel. Fennel has a very similar taste to black licorice, but medicinally wise, it can help soothe upset stomachs, boost metabolism, and is often known as helping nursing mothers increasing or encouraging, I should say, milk production. So you often see it like there's different teas out there and they will have that as part of it or the base of it with nursing. Now, a few more, and you're probably not going to be thinking of this one as something that you would actually be planting, but I got a feeling it's probably in most of our yards, and that's going to be dandelion. The great thing about dandelion is you can actually use all the parts of the dandelion. So you can use the lovely little yellow blossom. You can harvest that and make a dandelion salve, which, yes, I have a recipe for 
and a tutorial, and that will be in the show notes. So you can go and grab that and make dandelion salve out of the blossoms. A lot of people like to take the blossoms, dip them in a simple batter and fry those bad boys up so you can eat them that way. The leaves are also used as you would use any type of green. So fresh in a salad, or you can saute them up just like you would any type of green. But with the greens, y'all really want to get them early in the season because as they start to get older and more mature, they can be really bitter and have that strong, bitter flavor. So most people, if you're going to be using and harvesting the greens, you want to do it as early in the season as possible. The other part of the dandelion is the root. And this is usually what is used for tea, though you could use the leaves too and dry them up. But like I said, they can tend to have a little bit of a stronger flavor if you're just putting them in water, especially if they're older. But you can harvest the root. Dandelions, and you know this, if you have ever tried to pull out weed a dandelion, then baby's got some long tap roots. So you'll pull it up by the root. So right, you're getting that whole root out, which can be a little bit of a hard thing to do. And then you're going to rinse off the dirt from that root and then you dehydrate it. And so you can store it that way. Some people prefer to roast the dandelion root as well. And you can kind of make like an herbal coffee substitute out of it. But you then take that root and you make it into your tea. It's thought to help to aid with digestion and traditionally has really been used for liver issues and as a diuretic. But it also has great properties. It's thought to be anti-inflammatory and also helping with wound healing, which is why you would want to make a dandelion salve out of it. So that one's a great little powerhouse herb and it's pretty much growing for free all around us. Now, of course, if you're harvesting it from yards, I'm hoping in your own yard that you're not using any type of pesticide or synthetic chemical herbicide. And then if you're going to be harvesting it somewhere else, you want to make sure that they haven't sprayed it with anything as well. This is one of my favorite herbs and echinacea. So no big surprise. Most of us have heard about echinacea. It's known as one of the powerhouses when it comes to immune support, but it's so pretty. That purple coneflower is gorgeous. It starts blooming. Mine starts blooming June and will go all the way through until we get those really super hard frosts. So it will start in late spring, early summer and go all the way through pretty much into fall for me. So it blossoms all summer long. And that's another one that you get to use all parts of it for making tinctures and for teas, including the petals, the leaves and the root. Now, another one is even though it's not really, well, it does have a flower because any berry first has a flower that we have a blossom and then that turns into the berry, right? So, but elderberry. So it's not something we typically think of necessarily when we think of an herbal tea garden, but elderberry, some people will use the flowers and a lot of people like to use berry and that can make a great flavored and colorful herbal tea at home. Now, next up on my list, this one is sage. I love sage for so many reasons. I happen to love the flavor of sage. It's one of my favorite things to add into any meat dish and into soups and stews and even some casseroles. I just think oh, it's one of my favorite flavors. Now, using it in, I even like to use it in landscaping because it's got that really pretty, almost velvety touch to the leaves. And it's a silver green, so it can add some great visual interest wherever it's planted. It is a bit invasive, though. So I do keep mine in a container. You want to make sure that wherever you plant it, you don't mind that it spreads. The great thing about sage for me, so I am in, so technically I'm in gardening zone seven, but with the way our frost 
fall where we live up in the mountains, I'm really closer to zone six. So usually in the springtime, we'll have frost up to the first part of May. And then in the fall, sometimes I get frost mid-September. Sometimes if we're lucky, it'll wait until the first part of October. But the great thing about sage is I pretty much can harvest my sage leaves. Now, in the dead of winter, it's not producing really new, much new growth for me at all. But there's such hardy little plants and hardy little leaves that I can go out and pick sage as long as it's not buried under like three feet of snow almost all year long. Now, my mint totally dies back and I can't do that with really any of the other ones. But the sage, that bad boy is hardy. Now, medicinally wise, sage is one of my favorites. It helps to aid digestion problems. It supports mind and mental performance. It can, so this is another one you need to know, it's thought that it can decrease milk when nursing. So if you're trying to wean a child, that can be a great thing. But if you're not trying to wean, you want to stay away from it um, due to milk supply. Sage is great. It can help decrease secretions and extra mucus. So it's often used to help aid sore mouths, sore throats, and swollen nasal passages. And I tell you what, whenever I have like a throat thing from virus, cold, whatever, sage is one of the first ones that I reach for and I make a tea out of. Now, the other one on our list, again, this is not one that most people are typically going to think of be putting in a flower garden or in a typical herb garden, or even planting. And if you live in an area where I live, where it's just native, it grows everywhere, you probably aren't really very happy with it, but it's got some great things, and that's stinging nettle. In the early spring, you can harvest the leaf, and always wear gloves, like always wear gloves when you're harvesting stinging nettle. It doesn't have the name stinging in it for no reason. It'll zap you. It'll get you. So you want to use gloves. The great thing is, though, because you're thinking, okay, well, if it's going to zap my skin, why on earth would I want to be eating this thing? Well, the good news is, is when it's cooked and then when it's dried and, and done into a tea, don't worry, it's not going to sting you. But in the spring, this is the same time type of thing, like we were talking about harvesting the dandelion leaves and also the red raspberry leaves. Spring is best when they're young. Before they start to blossom and to bloom out, you're going to harvest the leaves. The leaves for singing nettle, we add them to soups, to stews. I'll just saute them up with some butter and garlic and then put them on a plate after they're fully cooked and then cook an egg over easy and drop that on top. Oh, one of my favorite breakfasts to have or even a breakfast for dinner type thing. But stinging nettles are thought to help with decreasing inflammation and urine output. They are also thought to help with seasonal allergies. Now, I'm going to be putting together for you a video so you can go and check that out. Again, it's going to be on my YouTube channel. I'm putting out a new video on YouTube every Wednesday. And of course, a new podcast episode comes to you every Friday. So you want to make sure that you're subscribed to both because I know we all get super busy and we end up missing things that we didn't want to. So if you're subscribed, hit the little bell on YouTube, then it'll just pop it to your phone when the new video comes up. And then you can just go and follow that link and watch it. And then if you are subscribed to the podcast, you don't have to go and hunt it up. It'll just have it waiting for you whenever you open up your app when a new episode goes out. So if you're listening to this on obviously maybe Apple device or Stitcher, or there's a whole bunch of them, whatever app you're listening to it on, make sure that you hit subscribe and then all of the new episodes will come to you and it just makes life simpler. So I subscribe to all of my favorite podcasts so that I don't miss any episodes. You can go and check out that YouTube video if you want to have an actual visual tour 
and I'll show you where I have everything planted and laid out within our landscaping and on our homestead where we grow and use these different herbs for tea. I also have for you, like, I have a whole bunch of things for you guys. I just love to give you things. I think gift giving may be my love language. Anyways, I have got some different blends. And one of my guest contributors and writers to the website, Anna, has a great resource for you guys. And it's three homegrown herbal tea blend recipes to try. There's way more than three. Hold on. It's how to grow an herbal tea garden. At the end, she has got some amazing homegrown herbal tea blend recipes to try that highlight quite a bit of the ones that we went over here in this episode, but she's got even more. So if you are really wanting to dive into using herbal teas, you're going to want to check this out. Again, the link to it will be at mostkinoris.com forward slash 182 for this episode. But some of the blends she's got is a relaxing blend, allergy relief blend, tummy ease blend, fertility blend, morning energy blend, high five, a flower power immunity blend. And you can grab all of those with the information on harvesting, drying and making teas from quite a few of the herbs that we went over today and a couple different ones in this article. So all those resources already and waiting for you at the website. And again, if you're like me, I am a podcast and a book lover, like big surprise there because I do a podcast and I happen to write books. But if you don't have a copy of Handmade yet, you're going to definitely want to look at getting one because the herb series alone, where I was reading all of those to you directly from the book with the chart, and it's got lots of different recipes, some of my favorite recipes for herbal use and salves as well as cooking and sourdough and fermenting. So it really is basically your modern homesteading guide. And you want to go and get yourself a copy and check out all of the amazing bonuses that come with it. Talking over 30 bucks worth of bonuses, you guys, at handmadethebook.com. Okay, on to our verse of the week. And we are going to be in Ezekiel. Chapter 47, verse 12, and this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. And on the banks of the river, on both its sides, there shall grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves shall not fade, nor shall their fruit fail to meet the demand. Each tree shall bring forth new fruit every month, these supernatural qualities being, because their waters came from out of the sanctuary, and their fruit shall be for food, and their leaves for healing. Now, I know that we're reading out of the Old Testament, Ezekiel's in the Old Testament, if you didn't know. And this is a prophecy that God is giving the Israelites. But I still believe that leaves for healing is true for today. I think it is amazing the way that God created nature. And as I dive further and further into gardening and learning about all of the amazing properties, the flowers and our herbs and all of these plants contain in the way that they support one another. I just can't help but see his hand in everything. And I just find it amazing that he gifted us with these things. And it's so important that we learn about them and we cultivate them and that we take care of them and that we use these amazing gifts that he has given us. I'm so thrilled that you're joining me, that you're excited to learn about these just as much as I am. And I want to thank you for listening. I hope to see you in the tour of my herb garden with the YouTube video, which I also have it embedded in the blog post. So you can check it out there. And 
I hope that you join me back here again next week.